0: We're standing here in the foyer of a uh, of film house in Edinburgh, and I'm here with Andy Cannon, storyteller, and um, how do you describe yourself? Storyteller and...
1: Storyteller is how I like to describe myself actually now. Um, I work in theatre, I do all kinds of things, but essentially I'm a storyteller. Yep. Fantastic, and we're, we've just come out of
0: your your event today, The Lost Art of the Film Explainer, which was first on in the... Uh, the uh, Bonus Hippodrome Festival of Silent Cinema. That's the one. Got on one. Uh, and I sadly missed the event, uh, and I'm, I'm sure a few other people did as well. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about, first of all, what, you know, how the event came about and, and a bit more about
1: you know, what, it's, what it's all about. Well, it all started because um, Alison Strauss, who's director of the festival, um, and also a mum, uh, she had seen my work in the past doing children's theatre and doing storytelling. And she was watching a show I was in last year, and she'd been, had the idea of the film explainer. She'd come across the film, ex, the idea and the notion of film explainer, and was looking for something new for, for the festival. And apparently, when she was watching a show, she thought, ah. This is the person. It's a storyteller. It's a theatrical person, but essentially a storyteller. Um, so she asked me if I'd be interested, and I was delighted at the opportunity. And so, how much
0: did you know about? Because I'd never heard of the film explainer before. Um, I had read about the
1: event originally. How, how much did you know apart? From I knew. I knew nothing about it. It all made sense that a manager would read out the intertitles. Yeah, can you maybe explain yeah, a little yeah. bit about the
0: background of it? Yeah, then?
1: it seems that what happened mainly in this country it was theatre managers, who most were showmen, would read out the intertitles, or if the film was being shown in a music hall before cinemas, the MC would read out the intertitles, because you wouldn't presume that anybody could read. Um, and that's really the kind of British tradition. Although we did find out, and we want to explore more, that apparently there was a couple who ran a cinema, I think it was our growth, and they would... Take the, the husband and wife would actually take on different parts of the intertitle or the reading out to give it a bit of texture, okay. which was really interesting. And this was something that they did from the wings. Brilliant. Um, uh, and it was also apparently quite big in Europe, where lots of the films were obviously in English. Um, and so it was the, the film would be explained by the manager. It's quite a simple setup, really, isn't it? You can just
0: stand mm. slightly to the side of the screen with a light on you. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a, a couple of musicians on the other side. Yeah. Is the musician element something you've added to it, or again, was that part of it what as well? Would,
1: what would happen in the past the, the, the managers would probably do it along with the piano players. The stories of some managers who played the piano and, you know, right. uh, kept people focused. I suppose what we've brought to it is um, maybe a wee bit more detail in the music and the themes um, and also for myself and in the same way that the Japanese benshi would be making that cultural explanation uh, because things are different I feel because of the passage of time that some silent films are you know they're, they're marvellous but the pace can sometimes drop off for us but at the time wouldn't have yeah. because actually just the spectacle in 1912, 1913, of watching the world that size on a big screen would be holding the attention. But we're now obviously so film and television literate yeah. that we, we kind of want to move on to the next scene. Yeah. So that often in the films, there are these passages. And that's where I feel what my job is to f- slightly fill in the blanks to keep the audience in the moment of the film. Yeah. So they're not waiting for the next cut; yeah. they're getting information, um, and that's a very personal thing because that's what I feel often watching silent films. Much as I love them and I find them interesting, you can't help but have a moment sometime of going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we have got that." <laughs> yeah, what's, hap- the point, yeah what's happening? Yeah, what's happening now? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in the film like *Mary*, enjoying the character, one of the characters who leads the gang, and introducing the idea that he, he always returns to this plan of to do nothing. Yeah. You know, and introducing that, yeah. which is what actually happens yeah. when you work out what's happening, is. And this is Mary, the Romance uh, of the Highland Maiden, which yep. you, which appears to be, the, certainly the, the
0: what we know it's the longest, the oldest drama, oh, dramatic um, yeah. film ever made. Yes, in, in Scotland, Scotland. Yeah, yeah made in Inverness, 1912. 19- yeah. 1912. Yeah. I think what your um, your presentation skills bring to it. I mean, it makes it very relevant again. Uh, the film and also adds so much to the background that we don't know because we've lost a lot of these, yeah. these references. To you, know, you, you mentioned things about where they were filmed, um, yes. but what some of the, uh, the people involved had done in the past, and so it's almost like a D- DVD commentary crossed with a bit of a history lesson, crossed with entertainment because yes. it is completely entertaining all the way through. It doesn't come across as dry, but there is a lot of information
1: in there. Yeah. So that's a that's I think skills, that's taken a while, I think. It kind of has. I suppose in my work as a storyteller, I... Uh, Storytelling at its best is, should, is kind of like stand-up in lots of ways, that you, you tell a story but you're taking in the audience. So I'm used to maybe doing a piece, with, you know, ostensibly for children, but I'm aware there's parents there and I'll work out where they're at yeah. and I might bring them in with a cultural reference, but it's not above the children's head. But I did a piece about Walter Scott, and I kept on referring, having a laugh at the, the, the adults, the, the Scots monument always reminded me of Thunderbird 3, you know. And those kind of things, yeah. even though I was doing a piece about Scott, ah. and, and just kind of working with, with the audience. And for me, I suppose, with the explainer, I'm almost, instead of internalising these questions you have when you're watching particularly archive film, I'm just kind of asking them, but with a bit of preparation, I can then tell you the answer. Yeah. So when a film is set on the Keswick shore, most people, I think, go, where is that? Yeah. So just to be able to go, here we are on the Keswick shore, you know, the southern tip of the Black Isle, just north of Inverness, mm-hmm. people, you can, I could feel the audience go, huh. Yeah. Yeah. And what's lovely about that is in that particular scene that takes a wee while, that then allows people to have that moment to go, oh, that's where the bridge must be, to the Black Isle. Yeah. Ah, right, I see where they are. Oh, yeah, that's where Inverness Galley, this will play. Mm. What's next for the film experience? For, for you? Film, for, for myself, we're delighted that we're going to have a kind of short tour of it over the next few months. The plan at the moment, hopefully, um, I, th- I don't know if this is just Penteldon or Biro, but the plan is to be in Inverness as part of the Inverness Film Festival, which we're very excited about. Um, my dad's been helping me research the actors, so we'll hopefully have more information afterwards about the actors in the film. Mary. About Mary. About Marie, which I think be and Bringing it home. Bringing it home, and the chance to do that film... A hundred years after it was made in Inverness, yeah. it's just spine-tingling. If you can get any of her family along, oh, that'd be amazing. The yeah, and it'd be yeah, just wow. to find the find out what happened to them after yeah. that film. Well, the thing, of course, is it was 1912, so chances are the young men went off to the front. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's so that that's very special. Mm. Um, and for me, what's really interesting about it is that, having done some family research, it was about ten years before that that my mother's family came down from the Black Isle. Okay. You know, so it's 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 amazing to think that they, you know, these guys could have been on the train that my great 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 grandfather was a locomotive driver yeah. on yeah. up in the Black Isle, you know, or on in Inverness. You know, it's it's fascinating these things. So that hopefully is going to be November eleventh, um, and then we're hopefully going to be doing um, as well one in Kirkcaldy, at the Adam Smith, and can't for the life of me, remember where the other one is, but there's talk of another one. Okay. Um, but, uh, so once we've got that, and getting people interested, because of obviously, you know, to do things as we were, I think, chatting about, I don't know if this has been recorded, but you know, the, the desire to say, could we do one of the classics, big horror ones, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I've done a, an Edinburgh man, I'm, I'm a passionate Robert Louis Stevenson fan. I've, Adapted to Treasure Island, I think he's a genius. And so I feel kind of almost culturally entitled to have a shot at a Jekyll and Hyde. You know, yeah. it's not just, I would be doing it for that reason because it was a Scottish writer and uh-huh. it's such an international hit. So I'd love to do that. But just playing it, sensing how it works, and then hopefully speaking maybe to, to funders or sponsors and saying, we've done this, here's the feedback, people have liked it. Um, but we have been rehearsing in living rooms and projecting on walls and things. Yeah. Even a couple of weeks with a good projector going round um, which we did with this one actually just two or three times but a tiny projector and a tiny screen around some old folks' lunch clubs just to get that small kind of tour so we can really get into it and and develop it, because it is a live art. That's This is what makes it so exciting, it's when cinema becomes live. Mm-hmm. But already what we feel very strongly is it, it needs to be in cinemas, not in theatres. Yeah. Because it's actually about bringing storytelling and live music to the cinema. It, when you project a film in a theatre, it becomes a much different animal. And to me, the theatricality of coming to the film house or the Hippodrome, Or the cinema in Inverness, and there's live musicians and somebody telling you the story. That's part of the theatre, and that's what makes it quite magical.